And when he realizes how much bullshit that is, that his wife isn't with him for the beautiful lies, for the pretending things are better than they are. You know, a, 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 a feminine energy doesn't need to be protected from the truth. They need to feel safe that they know the truth. And by him sheltering his wife, in this case, from the actual truth, it's, it's, it's eating his soul away faster than he even knows. There we go. Cool. We are live. We are live. All right. Well, what's up, everybody? Uh, so per our last conversation, uh, episode 39, um, with Eric Post, we had some questions from you guys um, regarding some of the things that we had mentioned, and they were so profound that uh, we made a list, and we'd like to address as much as we can with a limited time that we do have today. And uh, let's see here. Um, first and foremost, I do want to say thank you so much for everyone listening and being so respectful and really finding value um, in, in, in the information that we're able to <clears throat> share with you. And again, it's, it's not just our opinion. It is extracted from the world that we live in and the expertise that we're able to um, extract from very intelligent people and circumstance in our life and our surroundings. And, um, you know, I, I, I really resonated with the questions that were sent to me personally. Eric has also got a laundry list of questions that uh, we're going to address here today. But I'm not going to name any names. But I do want to say, um, I'm going to start off with the most difficult one, at least for me, that, that really resonated with me. And it was uh, by a gentleman. <clears throat> and he says, it was a question dire directed okay. to you, Eric which was, hey, I'm 27 years old. I had a successful business for the last three years. Um, COVID hit, and I adapted, but I am barely scraping by now, and I have lost all my faith in my abilities. Any advice? And I will say that I kind of paraphrased it a little bit, but he is newly oh, married, wow. has a newborn baby. I think she's three months old now, and he's panicking. Like he's constantly panicking. He just says, like you can hear the panic in his words, like as you're reading them, and and so uh, I, I feel like this this person is in a position right now where he feels lost, confused, and he has the weight of the world on his shoulders, and and it's just pressing down on him every single day, and and I think it's going to get to a point where he feels like he just can't get out of uh, he can't get out of the uh, the situation that he's in. So. If you'd like me to read that again, I can, Eric. Otherwise, feel free to start the question. I got it. You, you know, this is so. First of all, uh, my heart hurts a little bit. I was in this same spot when you when you've ever heard me say the date May sixteenth, two thousand and eight. I was this guy, um, like literally, it was in this exact position. But it wasn't COVID. It was the real estate crash, and you know, yeah. I had multiple real estate offices. I had multiple real estate brokerages. I had multiple real estate holdings, both commercial and residential. I had hundreds of real estate agents and mortgage brokers working for me. I had staffing. I had, you know, I forget how many thousands upon thousands of class A office space I was responsible for. And when the faucet shut off from the market, 
I realized that I um, was still operating underneath the same rules that got me to that level of success, but the rules had changed. And I had this intense identity crisis, meaning I was wondering if all of my success was a product of luck or just a good market. And now, you know, my flaws or my, um, my gaps of my skill sets were being exposed, you know, when the market changed. And it was that date when I realized that all of your best thinking gets you to where you are. So if you don't like that place, they need all new thinking. And that's where I think this guy is right now at 27 years old. I can, I was about, you know, not that much older than him. Here's the thing I will tell you that all of the success that he had in these three years, I think he said, leading up to when COVID hit, have to be forgotten about. All of, all of the skills that he had, all of the, even the, the market that he was serving. I don't know what businesses, did he mention what business he was in, by the way? Yeah, it was uh, like media buying. Okay. So I think he, he, he did a lot of like, uh, like ads for Google and Facebook and stuff. Okay, that's excellent to know because those rules change so fast anyways in that business. You know, the, the, the evolution of his business changed as fastest anyways. Now you have not just the advancement of technology that changes for him, but also the evolution of the consumer that happened so quickly as a result of COVID. So the first thing that I would suggest for him is to recognize that the new rules are in place. Um, don't equate to him having the right skill set or the wrong skill set. He just first has to recognize what are the new rules. And he can't assume that the, that the way that he was doing business just two weeks ago is the same way that will he, he will successfully do business today. And unless he sits down and really reevaluates who the customer is, how they're consuming his product, um, the value proposition to his clients, and actually understanding the business that he's in, he, he won't have any success. He will continue just to scrape by and make it. And, and I'll tell him this. It's not about losing faith in your abilities. It's being humble that those abilities that you crafted to get you to level of success need to be recrafted. You, you, he has to be willing to like say, listen, I can't be a master unless I start as a rookie. And now he should feel like he's a rookie again and start all over. And, and that's not from a place of like his, his experience doesn't matter. That's from a place of like you have to have that level of pure honesty about where you are in order to to be able to know where you're going. You can't just look at the map and have your destination. You got to know your location. And, and, and I, I feel that he's probably at this like low point, but now he has to forget about what he thinks he knows and be willing to receive what he needs to know now. And the more full a person is of, of conclusions of things that they think they know about their business or the relationship, the more conclusions they have, the less new information they can receive. So I would, I would try and, and have him find a way that he can just, just absolutely cleanse himself of all the conclusions that he's come to in his business, all the, all the predicated thoughts that he has, all the, all the um, past experiences and success stories that he has. I would really try and cleanse those and start from absolute pure place of, of humble curiosity in order to move forward. I think that's, I think that's brilliant advice because you know, when people ask me these like generalized skill set type questions, um, I always think that it's it's the wrong place to start from, like you said, because it's it's a mindset thing. Like you could be you could be Michael Jordan. If your mind's not right, 
you're you're not gonna win a game. Well, ever. and in business, we don't talk about business on this podcast together, and and I don't on my TikTok page and and, and other places. But this is what I do for a living. I mean, business, and I consult for businesses, yeah. and startups, and whatnot. And I'll tell you now, especially now, that any business that believes that they have a competitive advantage is wrong. <laughs> Their product is not a competitive advantage. Their 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 intellectual property is not a competitive advantage. Their website is not a competitive advantage. Even their team is not a competitive advantage because all every single one of those things is like an arms race, and the competitor can out can outpace them at some point in time. They can even hire their team away from them, right? They can come up with a new IP. They can come up with a better website that just gets better traffic. Okay, so all those things are not competitive advantages. They are temporary little competitive advantage, but not long-term. The only competitive advantage any business has in today's market is to maintain an ultimate status of curiosity and education. That is the competitive advantage that a business has. Can you expand What's on that? that? Can you expand on that? What do you mean by a, an, an ultimate curiosity? So education? what I mean by that is constantly reevaluating the, the, the quote business that they're in. In business, they call it pivoting all the time, right? Or they, like, no, yeah. I'm not. I'm not talking about that because pivots come as a result of like taking a misstep. <laughs> That's just a little corporate way of suggesting we screwed up and now we're going to fix our shit. What I'm talking about is is before that. What I'm talking about is constantly asking yourself the question: What business am I actually in? So, for instance, I'll give you a personal example just to, to highlight this with my restaurant here, this Please. Jewel restaurant, right? Once COVID hit, we went from basically running our our restaurant like a nutritional business. And that's what gave it success. I wasn't running it like a restaurant because restaurants have high failure rates, especially in this market. So I ran it like a nutrition business. It's taking off. Great. And then COVID hit, right? So instead of us running it like a nutrition business, now to the general public, Mo, everybody just looks at it like a restaurant. So I'm not talking about your, yeah. your public messaging and your public marketing. I'm talking about your internal understanding of the business that you're actually in. So when COVID hit, I switched. I said, okay, now we're in a different business. We're no longer in the nutrition business. We're going to be in the business of making people feel better about themselves, having come in contact with our brand or our company than they would have if they didn't in their day. So I was just in the business of making people feel better about themselves. So we we changed our scripting. We changed a little message on the receipt. We changed our packaging. We changed our social media marketing. We, because in that era of COVID, when COVID hit and everyone's like, oh, so dark and worried and frustrated. I knew the best gift we can give a client isn't just the healthy food. It's actually making them feel better about themselves, right? So from the compliments mm -hmm. to the way that we approach the customer, we got into the business of making people feel better about themselves. We just happen to serve food, right? And so that, that weathered us through the storm and we actually increased sales, okay? When restaurants were shutting down, we increased sales because I understood the business we needed to be in to be successful and flourish during that time. And that's what this guy is talking about now, especially in the social media buying age. Look at these new platforms they're picking up. And we got a transition going from uh, Web 2.0 to Web 3.0. We got the metaverse on the horizon. We got NFTs that are cracking. Like mm -hmm. his, his whole entire world is about ready to change. So I would, if I were him, really consider asking the question and diving deep into what business are you actually in? And then recognizing that that competitive advantage is for him to stay thirsty as hell, curious as hell, and constantly being willing to be humble and not compete for the business, not to get his customers to agree with him or to disagree with him, but to get every single one of his customers to say, I never thought about that before. Tell me more. That's how he's going to be successful right now, especially in that market. It's not to get people to uh, agree or disagree because then become indifferent is to get people to say, oh my gosh, I've never thought about that way. Tell me more. And if he can get to that place and get a customer to react to him that way, he's He'll crush it. That's brilliant. I mean, I mean, that's something that I could, I mean, everyone can apply yeah. 
to their business. And 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 I want to give you a little bit of a little bit of a shout out here because again, I we haven't really addressed business. I have had a business addressed in in various uh, episodes with different people, but just so everybody knows, like Eric Post is like I don't know how to explain it. He's is the true definition of what an entrepreneur is, and to me, an entrepreneur is someone who is a creator. Uh, you remember and, we talked about this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who who creates and actually leaves an impact on the world, and isn't in it specifically for financial gain, um, but but really to to make the world a little bit better than he left it. And that and I think he really epitomizes that uh, that that foundational understanding. And so he's coming from a place of like tactical knowledge and and like been in the trenches has not been doing this for what three yeah, decades pretty, i mean man, how long? i i guess i started i mean man i started picking berries when i was 12 years old yeah you know? so i've been working yeah. my whole life um and some of it was because of necessity and others because of just like well you need to have a mission you know you need to have a sense of value and contribution and my contribution comes as a result of wanting to like do things for other people <laughs> And you, you, it's really hard to find a better tool than having a great business or product or service that betters people's lives, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, it, it was just a good match for me. But Yeah, and it's all encompassing because it, it, it goes around, right? It is, but, but honestly, the, the, the fulfillment I got was learning about human beings. It, learning, learning about how, how if I led a group one way or my management team one way or the, the different ways I needed to motivate my sales team versus my administration team, you know, versus uh, how, how I needed to talk to a customer in a place of stress versus in the, the initial points of our converting them to a customer. Like all, all those teeny little things, I didn't take any of them for granted. It was just a constant like thirst for trying to understand at the deeper level why human beings do what they do. So the psychology behind it was, was the most fascinating to me per, personally. And then you, then you use that to understand people better than they know themselves. And then they're, they're going to be wildly happy with the service that you give them. And, and, and all these companies do this bullshit thing of like, man, let's go through this customer discovery process and really get to know their business. And mm-hmm. that is so outdated. That's so old school. Like a professional has to know their customer better than they know themselves. Or else what value do they have? Because you could go tell anybody what you need and they can give you what you need. But the real value is somebody t- coming to you and say, by the way. I know, I know the pain points you're at. I know the growth mode you're in. I know your customers. I know these things. These are some ideas and some tools that will really help you right now. And they'll be like, oh, tell me more. You know, sign me up. Let's do business together. Right? So that's... Well, the ones, the ones, the ones that are open-minded, because I, you know, I, I come from like the marketing advertising space, and, and I can tell you, you know, from experience, like learning how to fire clients or part ways with clients or not accept working with, with people specifically because they were in the mentality of this is what I want. This is what I want you to do, blah, blah, blah. But also understanding that they come from a perspective of like, listen, I, I'm, I, I was in the most saturated, like faked space. I think in the history of the last, I don't know, 50 years, um, which is digital marketing, right? Maybe not 50 years, but 30 years. Um, but because a lot of these guys, especially in the last decade, would come out and I, I'm an agency owner. I run a social media marketing agency. 
And all it was was guys that have gotten templates from other guys that say that work and they just, it's like a carbon copy. All they do is fill in the, the blank and, and then they sell it to, to a small business owner who's riding on you, by the way, who only has $2,500 a month to spend in advertising in hopes that they get a return on that investment within 30 days, 45 days, 90 days, whatever the case may be. And it was such a struggle because their, their, percep- their perception of what the industry was, was very distasteful. And so you had to go against, not go against, but you had to understand their mindset and the frame of mind that they were in to understand their behavior. And it was like, like you said, like you really appreciated the, the psychology of human behavior. I did too, from a different perspective, was just understanding like, it was almost like therapy. Like I, I had to really communicate. And a lot of these people, really good people, they just got burned. Um, and, and, you know, and I'm learning along the way. I'm not perfect. Not everything's going to be exactly the, what I say it's going to be. Deadlines aren't going to be missed maybe, or, you know, projections aren't going to be, uh, exactly what I said they were. And that was another thing is like projections in the marketing space is bupkis, especially if it's content based and brand based versus like, you know, direct marketing, which is, you know, sales, cost per acquisition, blah, 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 blah. So it's, I, I get it. And, and it's, it's the one thing that actually led me away from the industry was human behavior because the thing that I'm so passionate about has nothing to do with it. And, 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 and it's a prime example as to why I want to do what I do. Anyways, I don't want to get yeah. into that, but I just think that what you shared was so critical. Um, and, and, and to go back to the question, just to circle back, it is the mindset. And if, if I was 27, if I was this guy and I had to start all over again, that would be the mentality that I would have to adopt is I'm starting from scratch. What, what am I selling? What industry am mm-hmm. I in? Am I selling anything? Am I creating something? Like I would literally sit down and like meditate on this for until it just clicked with me because that that's really, that's a really tough thing to have to first of all, swallow well, the good, the good thing, right? Is- because you've already had a winning product. You had a winning service. You had a winning company and it was providing, I mean, he was doing six figures yeah. monthly. So to go from that to nothing, which in his respect is nothing, that's, that's a hard pair to swallow, especially like you only were at it. You only found success for three, for three short years, but you've been working at it for a decade. Like, you know what I mean? And I know you understand. I'm just, I'm trying, I'm glad you pointed that out because first of all, at 27, he's got a ton of time, but it's not about that. You know, he could be experiencing the same thing. Right. Be 60, but I would actually share his journey with his customers. I, you know, there's, there's this, this whole bullshit thing of fake it to your make it. And you got to pretend to be this, you know, success. And there's an element that success attracts success. But more than that, people actually really are attracted to humility. And because with humility, there becomes a sense of like trust that if this person can show me kind of, you know, open the kimono and show me behind the scenes and show me all the things, then, then I know that that person has a lot of good intent to always do the right thing, even when they screw up. And I think that one of the things in this, in this marketplace is just this humility of sharing the successes just as much as sharing the losses. And those lessons that come with the losses could actually be more beneficial to his clients than the successes. So I, I would I would suggest that he also be very honest with his clients or honest with you know where he's at in the failures and kind of share that journey of this either retooling or this relearning because that's the same thing a lot of his clients are gonna have to go through right now. Yeah. Yeah, you 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 mentioned something about humility and I uh, I was listening to a podcast where they were dissecting this. I forget okay. which one. But the guy looked it up because I think he's a sales guy and I'm trying to find it. Oh yeah. 
So he said, he looked up the definition of humility or, or being humble, and it was a modest or low view of one's own importance. And I thought that was interesting because that's not how I perceive it. So I, I did a little bit of digging, and this is what I found. The definition of humility is the freedom from pride or arrogance. The quality or state of being humble accepted the honor, the honor or the ordeal that is taught. And I think that what is what humility is. I think it's freedom from pride and arrogance. It's not a low, you know, low view of one's self-importance. I don't think that at all. I, I, I think that's a completely different definition, a completely different meaning. Because to, to be humble is to be prideless, in, in my opinion. And, and pride has been the thing personally that, that held me back for quite some time. And I saw it do the same thing to many people that were near and dear to me all because we were too prideful to admit that we need help or that we were defeated or that we can't figure out what it is that we're supposed to figure out. And you break down. I mean, I think that's the stigma behind masculinity and men. And, 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 and I, that's a whole nother topic, but like, that's part of the, that's part of the whole thing is like, you can't come out and actually say, Hey, I, I don't know what to do. I have a whole family that I have to feed and I'm stuck and I, and I, and I need help like that. It, it takes a lot for someone to do that. I mean, I'm getting emotional thinking about it because it's so, it's daunting, man. It's daunting. And I think it took a lot for this guy to really ask this question. And, you know, so I want to, I want to commend him, but you know, on the humility thing, the quote that's always stuck with me about humility is that humility is not about thinking less of yourself. It's about thinking of yourself less. And, you know, you know, the whole concept of not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less is the gateway to success. That, that simple thought is the pathway to understanding that when you're with, especially with a client in business, that when you're thinking more about them than you are of the commission or more about the the margin you're going to make, which is success is going to come, you know, and, and it's just not, it's not anything about manifesting. Like this is just the simple principles of cause and effect. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just simple cause and effect. If I care about you, I'm probably going to produce a good result for you. I'm probably gonna get my bills paid. It's, it's just that sort yeah. of simplicity for me that I like to think about. So humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's about thinking of yourself less. And I like, I like that simple thought about it. So. I, I would, I want to get that tattoo. It's a good one. It's, I don't know who said it. I didn't come up with it's that. A, That's a saying I know I've heard from somewhere. It's a really, really manipulative good or something, but I love quotes. So let's go to the next question, bud. What else? What other questions we got? Yes. Yes. Okay. So let's go to, I think we kind of touched on that. Um, so uh, there's two questions that were about um, gratitude and I think we can kind of tie okay. them together. So the first one was, <clears throat> you spoke on gratitude a lot. I don't know that was me or you. He didn't address. Um, I have a tough time being stuck in my head with lots of negative thoughts. How can I actually start feeling grateful when all I feel is hatred or sadness? Okay, let's stick to that one because that's actually different than gratitude. That's actually the selection or being at the mercy of your emotions. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's talk about that one. Um, Okay, you want to kill this one? Um, I. Yeah, I want to. I want to create. It. I want to kill this one because this is really what he's talking about, or she's talking about. Do you know any more about this person, by the way? I don't. That's okay. literally all they said. So this person, really, what they're really talking about is their inability to, to be um, selective with their emotions, 
And whenever I talk to my son or my daughter about emotions and we talk about, you know, um, controlling your emotions, it has nothing to do with ignoring them. It has everything to do with being able to understand that you have the power to select your emotions once you know how. And so I want to just quickly dive into what I think and how I've learned in the past of the power of being able to select your emotions, because this is ultimately the biggest superpower you can have as a, as a spouse or as a father or in business is to be able to never be at the mercy of your emotions because emotions honestly lie about the truth. Um, they cover up the truth. They, they impede our clarity. And like I say, when our emotions go higher, intellect goes low. And especially when you have an environment of business or where the stakes are high, even if it's in your, your relationship, you have to have the ability to select emotions that serve you better. But we're not taught this in school. We're taught the Pythagorean theorem. <laughs> you know, we're not, we're not talking about the ultimate gift of being able to be in charge of yourself and of your own peace. So I, I found that there's basically three ways that you can control your emotions. And when I say control, really keep that in mind. It's about the, it's about the, the productive selection of them, not suppressing, okay? Am I, am I super clear on that? Not about suppression. Mm -hmm. It's about having the ability to control them because it, because your emotions come from three main things. And if you know where your emotions come from, then if you know how to, how to have some mastery over those, over those places where they originate from, then the world is yours. Right. And we're also going to talk about emotions in the form of selection, not in the form of like, when I say depressed, or if I accidentally say the word depressed, it's not the clinical depression. I'm talking about the choice of being depressed or in a bad mood. Does that make sense? Okay. So I'm not talking about chemical imbalances. I'm talking about people generally are very good at selecting depression, anger, sadness. <laughs> They're not very good at selecting joy and curiosity and gratitude. Okay. And, and there's some very good psychological reasons why, and that's where our society is too. So I'm gonna talk about these three things. And can I use you as a, as a student for this? Please, you can do whatever so, you want. Honestly, if you had to say like, what's kind of your default mood or your default emotion or reaction to things, what would you think that it is? Do you get, do you get uh, silly? Do you get uh, frustrated? Do you get angry? Do you get confused? Is there kind of a default thing that happens a lot? Do you find yourself in? Um. That's a good question. Uh, I would say 10 years ago, it was okay. frustration okay. instantly. Yeah. Um, like agitation, like, like why? I, 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 I always felt like, I always felt, uh, not that I was smarter than everybody that, that was whatever. I always felt like, like, why would you do that? Like, what? I don't understand. Like the, the, the logic behind it doesn't make so frustration. sense. Now, okay. yeah, frustration. Now, trying to find another word for like numb because it's not numb it's kind of like indifferent yeah like okay well let's talk about okay. it I'm, I'm i've definitely been more i'm definitely more i'm less reactive i'm more chilled let's out let's talk about frustration years. then and because i bet okay you know how easy it was first of all for you to think of that one it was really easy oh, for you yeah. to, to it was. Right? so that's really fresh for you. So let's use that. So just very simply, like right now, as you sit on a scale of one to 10, 10 being incredibly frustrated, one being not frustrated at all. Where are you? Do you think you are on a scale of one to 10? Like at right this now, as you sit moment? there, how frustrated are you? Okay. Two. So let's, now I want you to go from a two. I want you to take yourself to a five. 
I want you to like think about something right now that's either going on or it was recently happening or what would have to happen. We'd have to have a tech glitch or, you know, kid walk into your office, interrupt you. It's like something to take you to a five. Like what would have to happen to get you to a five? Just think about it right now and tell me when you think you can get to a five level frustration right now. Okay. I'm there. So now tell me like, keep thinking about those things and now take yourself to like a seven or eight. Like you have like, what would have to happen or you have to experience if you actually get to like a seven or eight, like I'm fucking frustrated right now. Like this, like I got to fix what's going on right now. Tell me, tell me when we get there. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm creeping okay. up. I, I, I mean, and only I could say that because I have, I have something that is of urgency actually that I've been putting and off. And so you're frustrated thinking about it, right? Okay. Yeah. Now, now just for fun, take yourself back down to a two, like where you just, where we just were a minute ago. Like think about like you're comfortable right now. You're not that hungry. We're having a nice chat. You know what I mean? This was something we chose to do. We didn't have to do whatever you want, you know, just mm. take yourself back down to where you were. Just, just breathing okay. helps me typically. So my point with this, that, that default emotion of frustration or this person where they said hatred or sadness, when all they feel is hatred or sadness. Those are, those are things that they're very good at because they know what they need to focus on to feel those things. And just with my suggesting you focus on a different thing, I took you from a two to an eight. You went from a two to a five like that because you're very skilled yeah. at it. You're good at it, right? Frustration is a good thing. That's, that's not it, a good thing. It just thing. is, right? Yes. We all have them. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was my default, man, and my that's, whole life. And that's what I mean. So this person, I'm suggesting that hatred and sadness is their default. And one of the main reasons is because they have they have the gift of focusing on things that find them ways to be hate hate full of hatred or sadness. So emotions come, and these are one of three, this is the first of three things on your focus. Okay. So these are things I've actually worked with people on, like food, <laughs> you know, food issues and, and whatnot is, is just on this focus. Um, you know, on on parental issues, on on with studying. Focus is the is one of the origins of our emotions. And if I can, just by telling you, take yourself to a five, take yourself to an eight, take yourself about, you know what I mean? You go back and forth. Nothing changed for you in the real world at all. Only your focus changed. Right. So just by changing your focus, you can start to get more of that state of gratitude. So I'm going to move to the second one. The second one is your is your physiology. OK. So yeah, the second one is your physiology is, is your, your emotions and your physical body are absolutely hundred percent tied together. Right. And I, I've done this in seminars and I've had this done. I've learned this from Tony Robbins. I've learned this from um, lots of different experts in psychology about how our physiology and our emotions are tied together. So just for fun, will you still play with me here? Just Okay. Yeah. You're all in with me for a second. So bro, here we go. I, what, literally we're going to do the cheesiest thing. And you can see you're always kind of smiling a little bit. Look at that handsome little smile. You got going there. I, I have, I have a feeling, I have a feeling what's going to happen. Now. You know what you're going to do? You're, you're, have you are literally going to put your arms as high, like spread your fingers as far as they can go, put them up way above your head, right? Tilt your head back, right? Put a big fucking smile on your face, right? Like, and now I want you to get depressed. You can't like, like you're like, you're like, dude, what am I, what am I doing? You can't like, you couldn't no stop from smiling. No I just started to mention to move your body, to move your arms a little bit. And your yeah. and your emotions yeah. change, your state changes. So our emotional state and our bodies are absolutely connected. So people that are, you know, depressed chronically, 
I can watch them and they have physical cues. Maybe the way they rub their fingers or maybe the way they cross their arms, they put their head or they put it to the side or they, they start rubbing their neck when they get really pissed off or angry or they that they have these physical cues that are attached to their emotional states of their default. So when you get frustrated, mm-hmm. I bet there's a way that you either sit or stand or you breathe or you moan or you, you know, you, my, my breathing okay. gets heavy typically. And you'll yeah. find that almost every negative emotion, whether that's anger, frustration, sadness, your breathing gets more shallow. And with almost every positive emotion, joy, elation, curiosity, love, horniness, all of them, your, your breathing gets more full and deeper just with your breath. Mm-hmm. So almost every positive is full breath. Almost every negative is shallow breath, right? <laughs> Would you guess almost every negative is more closed down body? Almost every positive is open body. Right. Uh, uh, Head up versus head down. I mean, all these physical cues are directly tied. So going back to this question, this sadness and hatred, I bet that there's physical cues that help keep them there in these in these states of sadness and hatred over the other. So a practical thing for them to do is maybe if they are married or, you know, have a sibling friend or something that lives with them. I don't know. Or they can just try to pay attention to their cues and be aware the next time that they get into this mode of sadness or hatred to to watch what they're doing which is easier said it's incredibly powerful when you have a dude accountability partner or spouse or something in the house like i use this i use this a ton especially with my son in parenting by the way so he would come down in the morning and have the like the blanket over his head and be moping he was a real grouch in the morning man like you know how much i love my kids but he was a real grouch in the morning so knowing this, he didn't know what I was doing, but I just had him do this drill where I made him put his hands up and his arms out. And I would say, spread your hands apart, arms up. And he would do it and he'd start smiling right away. He had no idea what I'm doing. He just knew this is something I wanted to do with him in the morning. It completely changed the direction and the trajectory of his day just by changing his physiology because I knew I, I didn't have that. to tell him, dude, we're going to have a good day today. Come on, be happy. You're going to go to school. Come on, man, wake up. Nope. All I did was change his physiology and I did the rest of it. Right. So it's, it's a wildly productive tool. And by the way, I use it in sales all the time. I use it with my customers all the time. If I notice that they're getting in a state of confusion or frustration or paralysis to make a decision, I change the way that we, we, I stand up, I get them to stand up. We walk to the other side of the room. We, we go together. I offer them some water. Like I change their physiology to get them in a more productive state for themselves. Right. And so I use this constantly in parenting. I use this in business. I use this in sales and I use it with myself dramatically. So physiology is the easiest one. It's the, it's, it's the most powerful and it's the most easy. If you want a rapid change in your physiology, I'm sorry, in your state or your motion, I mean, you just, you just literally like do whatever you need to do and like you're, you're instantly fired up. Right. So that's the easiest one. So that's, that's two. And then any questions on that, by the way? No, that's, that's self-explanatory. And the last one's, last one's language, our internal and external language. Those, because we do experience emotions through the words that we choose, and the more colorful the language that we use, the more high the emotions are generally associated with it. Okay? So, for instance, if, if this person's, like, they get sad or, or angry because of something going on the work, if they say, fuck, it was just a, a disaster what happened at work today mm-hmm. and I'm exhausted from dealing with these crazy clients. And the, you know what I mean? Like if your words are very inflammatory and very colorful, that's different than man. I could just use a nap, you know, like just is, is, is today was a little bit inconvenient, but 
you know, I'll get a nap and I'll feel better. That's way different than I'm exhausted and it was a disaster and devastating, right? So, and and I'm not talking about the words outside, I'm talking about the loops that we have of our stories inside, you know, these, these loops of why does this always happen to me? And why are they always saying this? And, and why can't I get any good customers? And, and, you know, why is the governor always picking on restaurants, whatever, you know, this, this, this looping like stories that we have, all those words are probably not serving them. So he can just be very, very cognizant of the words that he's using what his physiology is doing and then what he's focusing on, then he can absolutely master his emotions. And it's not about gratitude or anger. It's about all of them. Yeah, because it's normal to feel anger and it's normal to feel frustrated. Might even be productive. Yeah, it's just, are you letting it control you or are you controlling it? It's it's being indulgent with them. And so for me, I actually love all day to feel all the emotions like that's this is a personal goal of mine is to feel variety a wide range of emotions because that's how we experience life we we remember all of the most best and worst memories because we had a high intense emotion attached to them right from the biggest of tragedies to the biggest of loves to whatever that's how we those are the things that we remember with high emotion so i want to have a very memorable life so for me just this is something i've never talked about but i i want to i want to experience like the whole spectrum of emotions in my day. I want to, I want to be so inspired that I or moved that I cry. I'm going to laugh till my gut hurts. I want to be so motivated and pumped up that I'm in the gym. Like I want, I want all of those emotions. Right. And, and so I do that with, but I do it very intentionally. I'm not, I'm not at the whim of whatever's happening. These are my selections of these things. Right. And so it's, they're not to be numb. It's, they're just to be explored and, and, and enjoyed. But if you hold on to any of them for too long, it's indulgent even the good ones, it's indulgent. And, and then you stop being productive and, and you start probably being authentic with, with them and real with them. So anyways, let's go to the next one. Which, which yeah, which actually it, it leads to the next one, which was about gratitude. And, and oh man, I'm so excited to talk about okay. this one. Um, but the question was, journaling has never worked for me, but I wanna be in a state of gratitude. Can you expand more on this? And- um, Oh, okay. Yeah, I know you would like it. So I recently, I don't know if you follow a, a guy, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Andrew Huberman. And um, I've been following him for, for a while now. And uh, he actually just did a, an, uh, a podcast episode about the best gratitude practices. Now, he's a, he's a neurobiologist at the Stanford School of Medicine, brilliant guy, really simplifies the science behind everything. And most of it is what has to do with the mm-hmm. brain. And they, they did a test, essentially, and I'm just going to dive right in there, where just writing things that you're grateful for, it was like, I don't know how many participants, like 1,700. Oh, no, no, here it is. Hang on, 50,000. Um, that it, it didn't work because the stimuli wasn't there because of because of this, I, I don't, and I don't want to get too much in depth because I don't want to take it away from him. But because, you know, we, we talked about how I've been doing like a gratitude journal forever and I feel like it's primed my brain. But there's actual science to it now that proves that you have to be you have to be in an optimal state of mind to be able to um, to, to be able to feel the gratitude. Otherwise, it just feels fake. And I and I forgot to mention last time to you that part of my morning routine, the thing that I do, I either do yoga nidra or some form of binaural beat like when i wake up 
and it primes my brain waves. So I'm already like in a state of mind of receiving mm -hmm. gratitude, right? Um, because I've, I've, I hacked it. I hacked my brain, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, another thing that gets me in that mode is music, yeah. depending on like what I want to listen to. And I'll give you a great example. You ever go, you work out and you forget your headphones. And so you're listening to the music in the gym. It's like, oh my God, like I have no motivation. I have no energy or whatever. But, you're li but let's say you're in the gym, you've got your own music, you got your playlist. And then that one song comes on and you're about to do your like your most intense, you know, uh, squat, for example, right? You're set. And you're just like, yeah, I'm amped up. I'm pumped. I'm ready to go. And all of that neural drive just freaking comes in like, like a wave and you just destroy that set or that race or that sprint or whatever the case it is. Right. It, it's, it's that it's having that, um, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it's being primed in, in essence, right. To activate something what, for training, it's neural drive for gratitude. It's, I think it's uh, theta. I believe. And so you can do that by hacking, by listening to specific, you know, sounds, music, binaural beats, whatever the case may be, or meditation. Like Yoga Nidra is a really, really good one. Um, uh, Tony Robbins actually has a really cool 10 minute one on YouTube I used to do. But um, so I, I just want to preface because I know you're going to go into this and I'm so excited to hear your your perspective, but I thought that was really, really fascinating. And I'm going to No, I'm, I'm, fa I'm going to really incredibly dumb it down um, from a Harvard neuroscientist to me standing in the little basement of my home here. And I'm basing this on a lot of observation, both of my own self, of the hundreds of books they read and of all of the thousands of people that I work with, right? And I have found that the reason why people aren't in a state of gratitude doesn't have a lot to do with the hardware. All of the he's talking about is actually hardware. It's all hardware yeah. stuff about understanding the brain and even the, the mechanics of the journaling is, is really, it's a hardware interface. There, there's no, there's no software yes. going on and, and did not get to, to simplify all of my thoughts that I've collected in 18 years of this. Most of the time gratitude isn't a, achieved because they're simply not in the present. They're still living in the past or they're looking to the future. And so what's happening, you talked about music as an example in the gym. The reason why music is so successful, not just because the drum beats and there are some very primal things about music and what that does to our brains and our brain chemistry, but even more than that, it helps you anchor to the present. It's, it's helping you keep you here now. So from the very simple standpoint, right? Yes, there are beats and music. That's yeah. why music is so great to the gym because your mind isn't thinking about this next set. It's not thinking about what you need to do when you get home. It's not thinking about tomorrow's meeting. And it's also not thinking about the fight you had or your childhood traumas and or the last time you got fired or the, the negative shit that's... So that past look is nostalgic or it's connecting to your trauma. The future look is generally connecting you to worry. So that, of course, is going to distract you from the very present, which is where you find all your gratitude. Okay? So... You just blew my mind. Does that mind. make sense? You literally just, yeah, you literally blew my mind because you're right. Because, yeah, you're, the music is priming you for that. You're not thinking about anything but it's, that it's set. A, it's a That's presence it. in the moment where you find all the gratitude and it's that stillness, it's that peace, and it's that acceptance of things being how they are as they are right now is where true gratitude is found. So how can you use gratitude then to like build the future? 
like the future that you want. Like, I mean, because I, I personally, I've never been, I've tried this whole goal planning thing. It never worked you out see for why? me personally. Because journaling, journaling is, 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 if you can't journal, it's because you're, you're not very good at staying in the present moment. So not being, not being a good, not being good at journaling doesn't mean you're not a good journalist or not a good writer. It, it, it's a, it's a symptom of your inability to be in the present moment. That's how I view people that don't journal very well. So it's just another, it's just another expression of how important it is. Not that they journal, but that they get better at being in the moment. Okay. So, and, and all these forecasts and goal planning, you're, you're, again, you're projecting yourself in the future. So it's going to be hard to be in the state of gratitude then. So you, you use the term using gratitude. I think actually gratitude that, that comes organically uses you. <laughs> a, a person that's filled with gratitude can't stop from positively infecting other people, can't stop from being productive in the world. You can't stop from making people smile. You can't stop from writing beautiful poetry or music. You can't stop from being incredibly creative in the boardroom or incredibly loving with your wife or your children. Gratitude uses you. I don't think you use gratitude. And, and I think that when you're in that state of gratitude, gratitude grabs you by the fucking head and just puts you in the most beautiful of directions and people can't stop from being attracted to you. You know, you, let's say you have two business people to be pragmatic for a second and you have one that's, they're both really great at sales. They both have a great product, but one just is naturally grateful for things. They're, they're just going to attract people just on an accident. It's just, they don't know why they choose you over the other person. But it's that field of energy. It's that it's that presence. It's that calm peace. It's that calming presence that gratitude gives you. So that's how I look at gratitude. It's it's either the ability or the inability to be present in the moment and accepting for things exactly as they are. And, and uh, the, sorry no, to interrupt because I'm I just God. I'm so like uh, I'm learning from you right now. So what about when? Because like the whole thing with writing things down, like they again, this is hardware, yeah. right? They say that it activates both the the right and the left side hemisphere of the brain, and so that it's it's instead of just like speaking it out loud, writing it down, it's like you're, it's almost like you're you're ingraining it onto your brain, and you're creating this neural pathway, so that over time it becomes real because. They did this. I don't want to get into too scientific, but there's there's not a big difference between what's real and what's not real. There's nothing. There's if it's nothing. in your mind, there's no difference, right? There, there there isn't because if you feel if you think you're depressed, That's you're depressed. True. If you think you're happy, you're happy. If you believe that you live a rich and wealth life, like an, a life of abundance, I'm not saying financial. I'm just saying a life full of abundance. Then that's that's who you are, and that's what you that's your personification that's right. to the world. That, you know what I mean? So, so then that being said, then is there, is there a practical application to writing things down? I'm curious. Yeah, there, there is. And again, I'm, I'm going to give you my opinion here, um, not to be controversial against all these other gurus. I just have to, I just have to suggest that those things that you're writing down, are incredibly disingenuous. <laughs> they are at, at their core. They are. Um, other than the things that like you like the things that you're grateful for, like today, like I was, you know, cause at the end of the day, I, I do a grateful thing with my daughters. I'm like, well, you're great. I just do one. Like what's one yeah. thing you're grateful for. And, and they'll tell me, and then I'll share the thing I was grateful. And that's more genuine than 
me writing it down because as I've been doing this for a decade longer and as I'm writing it down, like I'm grateful for this podcast, whatever the case may be, like it's not real, but I try to get into a state of mind of it being real. And the funny thing is, is 50% of the time, as I'm trying to write these positive things down, something negative is entering my brain. Now, here's the thing that's cool about what kids do when you do it with kids. They say the most silly things and they come up with them really quick. And they're like, I'm grateful for my peanut butter just sandwich. And just, you know. Yeah. And the reason why it's so simple and so naive, but it's also the most pure is because they are in the moment. Yeah. Right. And so we're trying to be in the moment. So we're using this tool as a, as a way to get us into the moment, to be thankful for things and my 401k and the love of my spouse. And, you know, I got slippers on my feet and there's experts that talk about, you talk about the most simple things to give 10 things that you're most simple for, you know, you have a warm jacket on and it just, and, and I'm not saying it, all those are bad. I'm just saying that those are such elementary level ways of approaching actual gratitude. And, and, and I'm, I'm thankful for them. And I think that they have helped people, but why do you think there's so much fucking misery in the world? If there's all these great tools? <laughs> no, no, I'm with you. And, and, and I, the reason why I'm asking isn't for the person that wrote this question. I'm asking mm-hmm. for me because like you should know me, but you know, I think pretty well by now that I'm always trying to get better. And, and I generally, like, I genuinely want to know how you get into gratitude because uh, this does, I mean, if there's a better way, I want to learn it. (laughs) You know, I want to apply it. I want to know what it is. What is the thing that I'm missing? Because I feel like the thing that I've been missing is the thing that I've been doing with my kids. And yet I neglect that for my own gratitude. And I try to focus on something that is a tool but you're right. Like, I think we overcomplicate things. We a do lot a lot. Of, we do a lot of times. And so those are great understandings. Like I've read in depth about the brain and, you know, depth about our chemical processing and what you're talking about with the priming and absolutely, absolutely. But what happens when you don't have those headphones and you're in a boardroom, you know, right. or what? Yep. And so I'm, I'm trying to say, well, how do you graduate from those tools to the state of being? So if, personally for me, I'm just, I'm just sharing my own personal experience. It comes from the acceptance of the now, as it is, how it is, where it is. And, and I think about those things, I've never said this out loud before either. These, these, are, these are my own internal thoughts I've written about it here in, in this actual, in this book um, that I'm using as notes today, but it's how it is, where it is, you know, as it is. And if I can accept that and, and really purely accept it, and then I'm like, wow, what an amazing, like that is, I'm grateful for that. And if I'm grateful for that, I'm grateful for literally everything. And it's wild. You know, the other day, um, this guy, I was driving back. It was actually Monday, driving back from the mountain. And this guy pulled up next to me, and he was in the backseat of this car. It was a junker car, and this girl was driving. There was a dog in the front seat. He rolled down his window. He just started yelling profanities at me, right? So somehow we thought, like, I cut him off at the, at the way this road merged or whatever. And I didn't, whatever. And, and, and I'm like, and he's hanging out the window. He's yelling at me, right? So... Initially, I'm telling you, I'm like, let's pull, let's go. Like we're pulling over and you know, who, yeah. who, who's your right to yell at me and, and all that kind of stuff. And as I was rolling down the window, my new programming took over. I didn't think about it. I, have to, I didn't do a shift. And all of a sudden, all the words in my mouth, I'm like, I'm like, hey, man, I'm so sorry you're feeling that way. I'll do better. That's literally, that's literally, that's literally all I said. And he looked at me and he goes, man, I'm sorry. I'm such an asshole. It's just been a bad day. And now we're doing like 20 miles an hour going through Sandy, right? 
And I'm like, I had one the other day too, man. Hope your day gets better. And he's like, you too, brother, you too. And we rolled up our windows and kept going. You know, and, and that I was, I rolled my window. I'm like, where'd that come from? You know, but, but it's because I've, I've been just continually working on my ego doesn't matter. You know, he's, he's in some sort of pain. He's just taking out on me in the moment. Maybe I cut him off. Maybe I didn't. I doubt it. That doesn't matter. That's irrelevant. The way he feels about it is what's relevant at the time. Let me just not make it any bigger deal. It's not about me. And it just diffuses it instantly. That, that's such a great way. I'm not patting myself. That's just such a great way to be. And I didn't have any anger. I didn't have any frustration. I was just great. I was like, man, that was amazing. And just kept going, you know? And so that's just that constant practice of, of not needing things to be any different than they are. You know, the constant practice of not putting my fingerprints on every situation. The situation can just be with or without me. It's, it's that level of humility that like not thinking less. I, I, I feel like I have skills, right? But I just don't think about myself a yeah. lot. And I was thinking about that man in that moment. The old me, I would have thought about myself and I would have puffed my chest and we would have pulled over, right? Stupid. What was the thing you just said where you, you said you, uh, not everything has to, where you put your thumb on something, you don't always have to have I, your two cents. Like, I don't what, always what do have to put that? my fingerprints on everything because I think, you know, if you, especially you're in a social situation, you hear people, you know, talk and they share stories and then it starts to become this one up game, you know, like, Oh, I did this vacation. Yeah. Person, oh, I did this vacation. And, oh, my kid's so smart. Yeah. My kid made varsity. And uh, there's this, there's this constant thing to put your ego into the, into the mix somehow, or share your story mm -hmm. or, or, or make sure that people understand that you understand them because you've also been through something similar or whatever. And instead of that, I, I just find myself, well, tell me more about your son. T tell me. I'm guilty of doing that with my wife and it's caused problems okay. in the past and recent yeah. past. And, and, and I acknowledge it within 30 seconds of me mm -hmm. saying it. And I'm like, Fuck. Oh yeah, me too, man. I, I do. I still do all this stuff. It's, but it's having that hyper awareness that makes you, so you used yeah. to maybe go three days and then 30 minutes. Now you're at 30 yeah. seconds. It's pretty good. You know? So <laughs> I'd like to avoid it. Yeah. All. <laughs> that would be good. It's not. Yeah. Not well, you're still human. That. And I'm still good. human. And maybe the yeah. next time somebody yells at me, I might yell back. I, I, I don't know, but I doubt it. And yeah. as each day goes on, I get more and more at peace with not needing to have my finger. Yeah. And it's not like every scenario is going to be exactly like that. I mean, you could, you could have done the same thing and that guy could have been a jerk and still, but you, you would have kept your, your new programming. Yeah. Cause, but I think ultimately like would depend, whatever faith you believe in, you know, doesn't matter, but ultimately you are extending out an energy into the universe. Totally, in my opinion, it's I really do. That's, that and, is and, actual and science, it's, and it's yeah. yeah, and it's and it's circling and it's circling. It's going around, and if all you're emitting is toxicity, negativity, you know, the, like just, just like the worst things all the time. Not saying not to expose those emotions and those things, but if that is your primary directive right your 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 uh default then like you get more of it and that's where like positivity and affirmations and gratitude first started for me was if all i'm doing is telling myself negatively these things then i'm eventually going to believe those things if if i think that i suck and i can't do this and i'm a terrible at that then you know like I must believe those things because my life is a representation mm -hmm. of them. 
you know? I, I do think we don't need any more positive people in the world. I, I, I think positivity is actually overrated. Uh, I've come to, I've come to believe. I, I agree. I, I was just using it. Fair, fair, fair enough. And, and so you, yeah. and now you see like my need to, to, to hammer out the nuances because I don't want to take just things for granted. And I think that part of where mediocrity comes from is from not challenging little, those little things, little sayings, little, little phrases. Yeah. And they, and then they build and then that's a slippery slope. Right. So, you know, yeah. even the power of positivity is, is quite a bit of bullshit to me. It's, it's, it's very practical and pragmatic. It's just very shallow, you know? And so, well, it's, it's also disingenuous. It, it can be, it can be. I, I just think right now the world just, just need leaders. I, I, I'm, I'm just so focused on, on trying to empower people to find their personal power to think for themselves, how they need to think for themselves and, and be autonomous in, in so many different ways. And so, um, let's, I don't want to go on that tangent right now because well, that's a whole nother podcast, my friend. Um, but I think, yeah. I think we hit well, that I, one. I, I think, I, I we think did. let's go to the next one. You got another one, right? One more. Uh, yeah, let's see. Okay. This is the long winded one. And this was another big one. Um, so I don't share anything with my wife anymore because I'm ashamed of how things have gotten financially. I used to work for a large firm. I don't know what okay. kind of firm. And was very successful making high six-figure income while currently I am struggling. I, do not, I don't need skills. I need work. I need to believe in myself, but I just can't do it. I lie to my wife about money because it's terrifying mm. to tell the truth. I am in debt, missing deadlines for bills, I'm so royally fucked. I don't know what to do anymore. I'm almost going to start getting emotional with that one. Um, yeah. All right. Let's dive into that one. There's not, this is very, very personal and I don't have a lot to go on. Yeah. Um, or else if this was a person I was coaching, we'd spend a lot of time of him or her, him in this case. And, and he may reach and, out. And I hope he does. So here's what I'm going to say. A couple of things. Uh, I'm going to say that, that society teaches us, that a beautiful lie is better than the harsh truth. I'm getting emotional. And, and when he realizes how much bullshit that is, that his wife isn't with him for the beautiful lies, for the pretending things are better than they are. You know, a, a, a feminine energy doesn't need to be protected from the truth they need to feel safe that they know the truth. And by him sheltering his wife in this case from the actual truth, it's, it's, it's eating his soul away faster than he even knows. And it's going to be really hard for him to rebuild on his own. And he's going to need her strength and her support and her guidance and her wisdom and her accountability for him to make this a turnaround. This isn't a him thing. This is a them thing, in my opinion. You know, you, you signed on, you signed on to be something for somebody else in addition to being something for you. And by him not stepping up and bringing her into the fold, it's going to be a long fucking soulless, uh, soul eating journey that probably not turn out very well until the truth is what's holding him back, if I'm just going to say it. And until he can be truthful in his house, 
he can't be truthful in his business and he can't be truthful with, him, with himself on what he needs to do to turn this thing around. I, I can feel the level of despair he's in though. Yeah. And I, you know, I got and, emotional cause I can relate. And I can relate you know? to that. And, and I've done this. So this isn't me philosophizing. This is now me sharing my personal journey of having done what he's done and realizing how fucking stupid it is, yeah. you know? And because I was able to figure that out, you know, I've, I fixed it, you know, and, and that's, and that's great. And fixing it is, is not the right word. It's because he's not going to fix it. He's going to do something different. He doesn't need to put band-aids and fix what's been done. He needs to completely look at this as, as a new chalkboard, a new erase board, a new, new level playing field. He, he can't be looking at fixing the past. Um, he absolutely needs to create something new and beautiful and not spend time patching the, the old version of what got him to where he is now. It's so tough though, Eric. It's really, really tough when you feel like, and, and, and I'm speaking from experience because a similar thing has happened um, as well to me with my wife. Uh, and, and a lot of it was really, it, it is a them thing, don't get me wrong, but when you lie to yourself for years and years and years, it's really easy to lie to other people that are closest to you. And it just gets, and, and in regards to his wife, like I can feel where he's coming from. It feels like he had this responsibility and he was able to provide this life for his family and then everything just came crumbling down and he just did he just, it feels like he doesn't know what he's going to do anymore. And that's coming from a place of responsibility. And, and I know but Mo, it's, the biggest lie, Mo, it's the so biggest lie he's telling get, himself is that his value comes from making six figures and being successful. I, I get that. I, I see that I, I do. And, and I understand, but he also said that he's, terrified to tell the truth and and that necessarily isn't like from telling the truth that he you know isn't making money or doesn't have the 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 finances i think he's just terrified of telling the truth in general because who knows how long he's been lying deeper than that mo it's terrorizing to tell the terrifying to tell the truth because he believes his identity in the world is having been productive and successful and being provided financially in this, in this case. Well, what if that identity is what is what made his wife not made his wife, but what if that that was the identity that he sold to his wife before? There you go. But I'm and he's and he's in fear. I, I'm su I'm suggesting that that's not giving his wife enough credit. Right. And I get that. I'm with you. I don't know them, but I, I've I never met them. But I know enough human beings to know that even if you're sold a bill of goods, meaning I'm going to take care of the rest of my life and all that kind of stuff. People are wise enough to know there's pitfalls. <laughs> I, I've also known women to hold, even though they have forgiven and they end up and they've moved past it, that they hold on to resentment. Then that's a them problem. That's and not a him problem. He, he can't see, here's the thing. He can't take on his wife's, if she has a lack of work that she's not done on herself or lack of healing or, or a shallowness, he can't take that on. He can't take that yeah. on. I would hope 
that she would support him and work through, you know, work through these things with him. And all. totally, but that's not the case. But but he can't take responsibility for her at this time. He can take responsibility for what he what he needs to do, and the right thing for him to do is to be honest about the situation and go from there. So you're saying he should feel. Let's say he exposes everything and, and no matter how her reaction is, he should feel content with the fact that he was telling. He needs to know he needs to he needs to be humble that he lied for so long and it needs to be real that there's going to be consequences because he can't expect just because he tells the truth now that everything's going to be fine. Hunky dory he's going to she's going to just. Oh, well, no. Every single yeah. choice we make has a consequence, good or bad, a prosequence or a consequence. So there will be consequences that he should be able to stand firm and stand hold and accept, you know, fall on that sword 100%. He needs to face these yeah. consequences. It's his not facing the consequences that's stopping him from fucking changing things and turning it around. It's really freeing once you do fall on your own sword. I yeah, we've both done it, I'm sure. Plenty of times. Yeah, it's it's plenty of times. So I, yeah. I, I, hope, I want him to hear the, the words that your value is not in the money that you make or that you used to make. Your value will be in, the, in, the, in who you become as a result of hit, facing this fucking head on. That's, that's going to be the value that you provide to the people around you and to yourself is, is, is you evolving continually into this next little version of him. That will be his real value because he's going to have more to share with the world. And and this experience is actually going to propel him to success. And I have no question that I've seen it a million times. So that's a funny thing. That's a funny word, success. Yeah. I think ultimately when we hear the word success, we tie it to to monetary success. Like, oh, he's successful cool. Well, what car does he drive? Does he live in a big house? Like, it's so funny. Like I I come from a family from that came from nothing and built something out of nothing. And then, and and then had a good life, destroyed my own life, built it back up, lost a lot. And now I've been in this like limbo of figuring out what to do next. And it's so funny. And I say, this is the first time I've ever said this out loud. It's exciting to be in the position that I'm in right now because I don't know what I'm going to do per se, but I know that the next stage of my life is going to be the most fulfilling. I don't know if it's going to be more financially fulfilling. I know that my family's going to be taken care of and they're going to have opportunities and whatever, but it's crazy to think about things in like in, in forms of like levels and stages and things like that. Because what you used to find, what you used to hold dear and what you used to um, put on a pedestal is no longer the case. Like I, I find more respect in someone who has completely removed all materialism and became a monk and found true fulfillment and, and sharing joy and happiness with the world versus someone that is miserable, lives in a high tower and has more money than God. Like, you know what I mean? But it would be very cool to have like a little bit of both because at the end of the day, money or monetary, like actual cash or NFTs, whatever the fuck you kids are buying these days, as a tool can can leverage and do so much good, right? 
And, but it's also, it's also like such a stigma to say like, okay, well, just be, he, this person is successful. Like, okay, well, he's not successful financially. I mean, he has a roof over his head and he takes care of his family, blah, blah, blah. But his success lies in this or his success lies in this or, and you know, her success is in this or this. And, and which, which brings me to my next point, because a lot of time we go along this path that we call life and we, we say that we have these goals and aspirations. I'm going to go to college for four years. I'm going to go get my MBA. After I get my bachelor's, I'm going to get a job at this. I'm going to go to, you know, uh, Intel. I'm going to work there. I'm, I'm going to create a business, whatever the case may be. But you never know. I can't tell you how many pre-med friends of mine never finished who were the smartest human beings mm-hmm. that I've ever met and completely went a drastic different mm-hmm. direction. Or or people that thought that they were going to be in the workforce, business force that end up going back to school after having children and becoming a dentist or a orthodontist or a doctor or whatever the case may be. It's just that you don't know. And so one of the things that you had sent to me was allow growth without expectation of the right path or pace. And I think that was a great way to tie into it um, because... We, we all go, I mean, we're, we're like predetermined to, you know, the moment that we are born, like we, we have an expectation of everything. We expect that if we work out for 90 days, have a clean uh, nutritional plan, um, get enough cardiovascular endurance involved, that we expect that after 90 days, we're going to lose some weight and or body fat. We expect that if we eat nothing but junk food for, for 10 years, that we're going to get fat, diabetes, whatever the case may be. We expect that if we get married, we're going to have kids. I don't know, whatever. I'm just saying, like, there are always expectations tied to whatever form of growth that, that, you're, that you're on right now. And I think eliminating those expectations is where growth and freedom really comes from growth. Growth is going to happen regardless of your expectations. It's your gratitude and your fulfillment during it that changes. And so I'm going to try it back to our previous conversation. I, th- I think that most people can agree that in general, you can have a pretty great life. If every day you live in a state of grace, gratitude, and joy, you know, if that was a yep. default, it, if you had a hundred million dollars, if you had a hundred dollars, I think you could look back on your life and say, man, I had a fucking great life. You know, so many smiles, so many warm hugs, so many handshakes, so many genuine exchanges of stories and and experiences with people. Right. This isn't me getting like I I, when you said the blend between the monk and the guy in the high tower, you know, that's exactly where I want to be. And 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 getting towards that sort of nice balance. But I but in general, I think that the the expectations come because society told you what's supposed to happen if you do X, Y, and Z. So just to use your fitness thing for an example, you know, you go to the gym, you need to use that 30 weight, 30, 30 pounds. You come home and you look yourself in the mirror after day one, you don't see anything. Come home, look yourself in the mirror day yeah. two, you don't see anything. Go work your ass off for two hours in the gym, come home day three, you don't see anything, right? Nobody knows when you're actually going to see a change, but if you have... If you have buy-in that going to the gym is the right thing for your life and it's going to give you the results, then that day-to-day expectation goes away. 
And that it's that it's that practice of like going and staying in the mirror and saying, do I look any better? Do I look sexier is what's killing the gratitude, joy and grace of the process that they're going to of going to the gym there instead of being so focused on that expectation of the goal. If and that's why I have a problem with goal setting, it's because I think you don't recognize as you go through the process of achieving the goal, how much bigger of a person you're becoming along the way. And you could probably way overshoot the goal that you initially set because you set that goal as a different person. But yet what happens when we set the goal, we go to that fucking goal. So instead of me saying like when I was training, I wouldn't say I'm going to go run six miles today. I would say I'm going to go run for an hour. I'm going to go run for 90 minutes. I'm going to run as far as I can in that time. Completely different experience, completely different mindset than me just running the six miles. Cause maybe I actually could get seven or seven and a half in, in that same time. Yeah. Okay. And that's what I'm talking about. So with these, with these, with these things of, of, of growth without expectation is, is a great distinction as long as you know that the expectations are generally placed from external and we've just bought into it and then we, we, we fall in that trap. But if you say, man, I, I just know this is going to be good for my health. I need to you know, change up my, my diet and my working out and you just buy into that and you just do it without expectation. Magically, instead of losing 20 pounds, you might lose 25 and, and even get more fit. And you know, your, your LDL goes even lower and there's just all these other things because your body chemistry isn't pent up in stress and anger and frustration about not achieving the goals. Right, because you're so much more yeah. grateful than if you were checking yourself in the mirror every single day or standing on the scale, whatever the case may be, and having that expectation of weight loss, then it's been like, let's say it's been five months and you, you're not even paying attention to it. And then one day you're you're pulling up your pants or you're buttoning your shirt and you're like, wow. Or, or what's like, actually, and just as cool, they go in the office and they're like, have you been losing weight? You know, or somebody like, you look yeah, amazing. Yeah. I, you know what you think? It's, yeah. it, it's it, that, when that happens naturally yeah. is where it just starts to make a lot of sense. And you asked me in our last podcast about, you know, I talk about fat person versus fit person and that's what happens with yo-yo dieting. Yeah. And, and so it's those things that you asked me, how did you, how do you change your identity? you know, from, from being a, a fat person or an obese person or an unhealthy person to a fit person. And, and that starts to happen when you do start to get, like you do start to self-identify, man, I, I do feel bad. I, I, you start to become that person, you know, just over time. And so th- that's the slow way. That's I, I personally believe that you can just decide. I, I personally believe that you can actually make a decision in a moment and you're no longer willing to accept that bullshit that you were unhealthy before, or you're no longer going to accept that you're broke. You're no longer going to accept that you are an ungrateful person. I personally believe that the power of a decision is, is incredibly underestimated. And, and once you just have that, a complete shift and you, and you, you have that shift in perception, your brain is rewired. You want to talk about neurochemistry? Like you, there is a complete chemistry change when you happen, like I can actually feel myself right now just by doing the snapping. I've, I do a snapping thing where I, I like change and I shift my focus. I, I am incredibly more focused and pumped up and, and powerful than I was 20 seconds ago. But cause you can do that in a second. Okay. Yeah. I, I need you to teach this. Um, so one of my favorite quotes, I'm a big Will oh, yeah, Smith fan sure. yeah. for everybody that's out there. One of my favorite quotes, um, that has resonated with me for very long is, well, first off is there's two. The first one is, um, 
being realistic is is the fastest way to living a life of yep. mediocrity. That was one, and we'll touch on that later. But the one that we're talking about right now, about you said you can just you can snap your fingers and you can just decide you can change your 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 mindset, your awareness, your everything. He says there's a redemptive power that making a choice has rather than uh, has rather than feeling like you're in effect to all the things that are just happening. Make a choice. Just decide what's it going to be, who you're going to be, how you're going to do it. Just decide. And from that point, the universe will get out of your way. So I've never figured this out, to, to be blunt. I, I, know, I know people that have been able to encompass this, but no one's really been able to explain it. I'll try. And this is really powerful for me. Like I'm getting fucking fired up right now. I want to know like how, what is it for you that can make you say, I'm not going to be broke anymore. I'm not going to be depressed. I'm going to be fit. I'm going to feel healthy. I'm going to be overjoyed and grateful every day. What does, is it repetition? Is it a one-time thing? What, what can I do practically for everybody listening and for myself? Because I learn every time I talk to you, I learn something, multitudes of things. What can I, how, how do I do It's absolutely a practice, but it can be one thing. And what it, what it essentially is to, again, let me, let me gross, get grossly simplified here. And then we can expand as, as you think is important. So the fear of the unknown is always greater than the fear of the known. And even in your incredibly uncomfortable with you got bills stacking up and they're unpaid or, you know, you even got a report from the doctor that you might have a heart attack if you don't lose 20 pounds. Right. Like that is still a known factor. That's your current existence. You know what that pain feels like that. You know what that feels like. The, the yeah. fear of the what the unknown is, is what keeps people where they are. And until until the pain of your current circumstance becomes less, I'm sorry, becomes more than the pain of changing. You won't make any choices. So until that fear of the future pain is less than the pain of the, of the current, you'll stay in your situation. But until you realize that my pain now is greater than any possible unknown pain, then you make a change. Okay. Because that's the only, because that's the only pain that's real. And so if you've, if you've all of a sudden now come to the conclusion, like, and, and, and for me, it's finding leverage over myself. So for me, I find leverage in my kids, right? So sometimes you'll do a lot more for others than you'll do for yourself. So you can, you can trick your brain a little bit by finding leverage. And I do something what's called future casting. If I really want to, want to create some motivation to make a change right now, I'll keep going out and playing out all the way till what's written on my gravestone, the worst possible scenario. If I don't make this change, if I don't make this decision and I'll, I'll make myself get like incredibly, like I can see my children at my gravesite written on the headstone that he was too scared to do this because of these, this ego they had in the way. And, and I'm like, you know, I'm like, I don't want fucking, I don't want that. There's no fucking way I'm going to let that happen. Right. So I can instantly say, fuck that right now. I'm going to make this change because that, that thing that I created that can be very real, very powerful is no way going to happen on my watch. No way. So that's, but that's what I mean about the pain. So that pain that I forecasted myself starts to become massive and that would, it would happen if I did not make the change. So now making the change is a lot less painful. I'm going to make that change right now. Did you follow me on that? Yeah. So you're, 
you're you're trying to you're trying to make the 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 pain that you are currently in so yes. dramatic, so real, so yes. over the top, just cannot handle yep. it. Like it's 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 one one moment away Absolutely. from killing you. Absolutely, or killing people that I love, right? Or stealing their yeah. joy, their future, yeah. their fortune. Yeah, you know. And if I can. I can do that. I'm literally thinking about that. I and you can that. run that out, man, because truly if you don't make a change in your health or, you, or you, you stay broke or whatever, like you run that out, it's really not a good way to look at your future. Okay. So what happens when you've made that conscious decision? So like then what you really feel, you really feel it. You've, you've gotten to that point. Like then you have to make this. one immediate action towards it. Like one thing, make that one phone call, buy that one book, schedule that one webinar, make that one phone call, uh, uh, tell your wife the one thing, uh, buy the membership to the gym, right? But one thing right now, right as you make the decision, because there is tons of studies that go on to what procrastination does to achieving your goals, right? So it, it, it like, so now you got to inject momentum. So you go from, I'm not quite sure, I don't know, I'm unsure, to painting this, this painful path if you don't make a choice, to now making the choice, and then you immediately eject momentum towards your goal by doing one thing right now. And it could be very simple. Like I said, it could be going to Amazon and buying the book. But it needs to be something right now projects you towards that goal immediately. That's momentum. It's funny. It's funny that you Why? say that. Because uh, I, I share this commonality with a, a dear friend um, that pointed out to me, and it's it sounds very similar. So um, I've I've built numerous businesses in in the past, and have um, been part of some, and uh, it's like where uh, subconsciously I would get to a point where I was actually comfortable. And so what my brain does is it decides that it wants to burn it all to the ground so that my back can be against the wall so that I can build it all over. You see what you did? You future casted, <laughs> but, you, you, but you did it in real life. <laughs> yeah. I did it in real life. Yeah. 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 It's like I, I have to be in that mindset of like, well, it's all fucking gone to hell now. So I'm, I'm comfortable in that I was, and, and it's been, it's taken some time to, to, to move away from that. But that's funny that you say that. Can I tell you why? Tie this all together, dude. Mm -hmm. Being comfortable in chaos (laughs) is, is, is what really most people are good at. (laughs) Because if things are organized and loving and healthy, that means you got to be in that moment right now. And we're not good at that. And so it's really easy to create chaos because we don't have to be still, <laughs> you know, we don't have to appreciate things as they are, or how they are. Like then you're, then you're in that like fight or flight mode. And there are sorts of, all sorts of studies, what happens to our body in the fight or flight mode, both to our immunity system and our, and our, you know, our neural pathway, like the fight or flight mode is a, is a big thing. And we're always in fight or flight mode and you just developed a really easy muscle of being in the fight mode. Yeah, but it was never like, it was never good. Like it wasn't, I mean, I mean good in the sense that like, it, it's one thing if I was by myself, yeah, but it's, like it served I'm, you. I'm, I, it, it served you. It did. And I'm not saying they're all, all in positive ways. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, sure. You know why I'm yes. saying this for a fact? Because but, if it didn't, you wouldn't have done it. <laughs> That's We true. only do things that serve us, whether but they, they could be done in positive ways or negative ways, like we've talked about in other podcasts. Right, but I also look back, I'm like, well, if I didn't do that during those times, like, where would I be now? And and I, and I hate those feelings, yeah. and I hate those questions. So stop doing those. I hate regret. I know, I know, I know. And so, so it did for a time. I just... I, I, I felt bad, especially the last one that happened a few years ago, um, because it, you know, you involve your family yeah. and like, you've got, it's like, they shouldn't, they shouldn't be involved in your chaos, your tornado of freaking chaos. That's, that's something that you chose. You decided to do like, that's not fair to them. So that's, that's where, that's is where it, the, no? is the, it, I mean, is it, is it fair that for them to be confused while you're quiet at dinner? Well, is it is it fair for them to be confused while you're short while they're brushing their teeth? Is that fair and not understand what's going on? Is it is it is it fair for them to see you, you know, looking at your phone with the thinker lines, you know, and then not feeling like they're safe enough to ask you what's wrong? Is that fair? No. And I'm, I'm asking those are genuine questions, and I'm not trying to lead you. I'm, but the term fair is is easily i can easily always <laughs> debate against it what's fair to you might not be fair to them and and the idea of protecting our spouses from reality or our families from reality i think is fucking pansy i don't think that's masculine at all i don't think there's anything manly about hiding hiding your trials and tribulations from the ones that love you i think that's a false sense of western masculinity that's broken a lot of men and a lot of families. Um, and I, I'm speaking from experience here, Mo. This isn't, I'm not I, philosophizing. I agree with you. And I agree um, with you. It's just, it's really, it's been hard to un, to unwire like a lifetime of that, you know? Like, that's all I saw growing yeah. up. I, I believe literally. it. And, and we've talked about this and I know the way you grew up and even culturally yeah. things are different, right? Absolutely. Yeah. But, but at this point where you are right now, who the fuck cares about the way you grew up? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Cause there's like uh, some, I, I read this thing. I forget. I don't know. I, I read a lot and I listen to shit and I don't remember half the times who's wrote it, who wrote it, who said it, whatever. So forgive me. Okay, I'm terrible with that, but I will say, um, it, it was basically what was said was if if you're if you're a child and you're blaming your circumstance and your upbringing and whatever, then you have an excuse. You're still a child. You're developing. You're you you don't know what you don't know. But if you're a full grown human being and you're still blaming mommy and daddy or your circumstances, or your childhood, or the, whatever it was, then it's your fault at that point. Like, you need to be able to, like, what are you doing about it? Like, like how, how, how much longer are you going to, you know, play the victim in your own life? Like, why, it's your life. Like, why wouldn't you do everything you possibly could Nobody's coming to save you. Who's, you know, like what, what do you think is going to happen? And it, I, I'm really emotional about this because I, I will say this wholeheartedly. 
I grew up in a bubble. My dad died when I was young. My, my uncles were the father figures, but they were working like freaking slaves nonstop building their businesses and all the power to them because those motherfuckers are some of the smartest entrepreneurs I've ever met. And, and their, their definition of family and, 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 and the love of family and all of that, I, I take to heart and I've learned that so well from them. But, you know, my mom was so overbearing. <laughs> I love her to death. She's the strongest woman I know, but she was so overbearing and, and sorry, mom, I love you. <laughs> and not that you listen to this. I was raised in a bubble that by the time I broke out of that bubble, I was pretty fucked up in the sense that I thought that the world owed me something. I thought that something I was just, someone was going to, I don't know, the hand of God was going to come down from the sky and no matter what situation I was in, I was going to be saved and protected and whatever. And that led me to sleeping in my car for six months, not knowing what to do completely, uh, being disconnected from my family. And this is, I don't want to get too much into this, but I'm just saying like, that's how devastating it can be to play the victim. And that's just, and that's minor. Like I can give you examples and there are plenty of real world examples of people that have had far severe, far more dire scenarios and situations all across you know, the world. I'm not saying that, Oh, whoa, is me. Look at me, my story, blah, boo. hoo. I don't give a fuck. All I'm saying is, is that it, it is, it is so detrimental to you if you continue to, th- to blame something other than yourself and not take full accountability for the life that you live today. If you're not in a position where you're not happy and you're not where you want to be, then good. You have a fucking baseline to go off of. Make something of yourself, whatever that is. If, if you just, you know, I, I don't care. And, and, that, and I'm saying this because I'm saying it to myself as I'm saying it to you because it's just, I need to hear this as much as you maybe need to hear this uh, as knew, a reminder. I knew everything Anyways. I was hearing was self-talk and I loved it. And that's why I didn't want to interrupt at all. People, <laughs> people say the things to themselves that they, need, that they need to hear sometimes if you have the guts to say them. Yeah. Um, everything that you talked about all goes back to the, the, the basic premise that our childhoods aren't our fault and aren't our responsibility, but the traumas as a result are right. Those are the things that we can do something about. And everybody, I don't care, you know, how good or bad your your childhood was. You, you come, the, the, the things that you didn't learn or you did learn as a kid comes out and is generally expressed in somewhat a negative way in your life. And whether it was entitlement, you know, because things were spoon fed to some people or whether it was a, mm-hmm. a constant state of starvation in, in every sense, both literal and figural sense, you know, from being poor. And therefore you, you're living in that constant state of, of survival mode and it's hard to flourish in that mode, too. So, you know, those those but those traumas or those things, those personality traits that that were given to us, those are our responsibility. Now, the challenge is our society doesn't necessarily reward healing. No. And we, we are in a society where uh, people with big problems are supported and revered and loved after, and people that are successful and happy get, throw, get stones thrown at them. That's our society, right? Because they, because they profit from you being sick. And I mean that figuratively and literally. Not even that, but just the, the, the culture. Yes, yes, that, that's true in that, in that 
in that category. I'm talking about like more, mm-hmm. yeah, more of a macro, yeah. a macro societal yeah. thing that people don't generally hover around the water cooler at work and talk about what an amazing, uplifting, successful person is. They sit around, they bitch about other people. That's mm-hmm. that's what I'm, mm-hmm. or them, or, or themselves, themselves, or their or their circumstances. That's what I'm talking about. That 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 is the cultural problem. So my point is that the reason why a lot of these traumas and triggers and stuff don't get fixed is because you're generally not rewarded by society for them, for fixing them. Um, you do get rewarded at an individual level because you have a great relationship with your spouse or your kids, or you do, you know, you do. But on a macro level, the more healed you are, the more lonely you become. Right. The more joyous and happy people look around like, what the fuck is he so happy about? Why is she always smiling? Like, why aren't they miserable like us and, and have, you know, tired at night? And, and why aren't they binge watching the shame show, the same shows? What this person's crazy. They get up at 4 a.m. and go running. What the fuck's wrong with her? Right. That's that's what happens. So that really healed, successful, happy person ends up needing to be OK with some sort of isolation or a smaller tribe. That's going to be the result of it. And that needs to be okay. That needs to be accepted or else you'll burn it down to get the accolades and, and feel, you know, like you're part of something again, eventually. So. I think that's, brilliant. I would just caution you on that. That's, that's a, that's the, that's the negative side product of being wildly peaceful is not a lot of other people are. But it's also like, Once you've achieved that peace and you truly are at peace, most of the time, that negativity from mm. the macro level doesn't really It's work. not the negativity. It's more of the yearning that... Like the congratulatory... It, it's, it's, it's like this... It's like this hole where there's no, there's no elevation. There's no status. There's no... It's... it's it's a, it's a year. It's, I see there's no, there's nothing like that. It's just more of this. I hate seeing people in pain, you know, or frustrated or confused or brokenhearted. I genuinely hate people f- not understanding why they're broke, not, not claiming their own personal power. I, 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 I hate seeing it, but that's my ego talking. Cause I can't fix it. Right. But what I can continually do is try to learn from it. And the more I learn from it, the better I can be for myself. And the better I can be for myself, the better I can be for all those around me. So well, you can you may not be able to fix it, Eric, but you can influence it indirectly. You can influence it indirectly um, in, in a way that is healthy because there, there are you'll find that we talked a little about the guru space. So many people become gurus because they're so fucking broken inside. So they fix themselves by trying to fix other people. You watch, you watch a a person lose a hundred pounds, all of a sudden what they sign up and they become a fitness expert and they start selling the product. Right. Okay. So, but they're still, because they're still healing. And so the way they're healing is by fixing all these other people. So I'm not talking about that. That's actually a very productive way of being significant. Okay. But when that goes away and that becomes your only source of identity, it's, it's just as unhealthy. It's like, 
it's the fat person also becomes a bodybuilder. Now they're obsessed with the gym. They were obsessed with food before. Now they're obsessed with the gym. It's a, it's a replacement of obsession. They just replaced it with a healthier obsession, but they need to dig deeper and find why are they, why are they obsessed? What's, what's the need to, to have so much significance that you're now needed to have the biggest biceps in the gym where before you wanted to eat the most pizza with your friends or drink the most beer. And now, now you can squat the most. It's still a need for significance by your peers. And that's, that's the real toxic thing um, yeah. in, in general. Yeah. But dude, we crushed those questions, I hope, for, for the people that asked them. It's, I've never done a Q&A sort of podcast before. So, so anyways, Mo, I, I think that by people thinking enough of themselves to pose a question is a beautiful thing. That is, that is a real beautiful thing that people are like in a place to ask questions. So please ask any more questions. Anybody that listens to this podcast, be happy to field them. Um, you can follow me on TikTok if you want. Follow Mo there. But I, I'm happy to do any more live Q&As or, or recorded Q&As like this for sure. Because I would rather do these actually, Mo, than just philosophize about things. And I'm, so, I'm down for so that. So many people are in a specific place but they're not alone. <laughs> There's millions of others in the same place. So, you know, the better, the more real questions, the better. And you did a great job today. And I'm, I'm humbled that you asked me to come on and, and talk to some of your subscribers. So thanks brother. Appreciate Absolutely you. brother. I appreciate you coming on always being, always being willing. And I'm going to call you out. Uh, I, I want to show a hands in the comments. Uh, who thinks Eric should start his own podcast like yesterday? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I got to figure out the best way to do it. I, you know, I've been recording you. Son. I know, I know, I know. I mean, and what's great is that I could literally send you all of the content we've done and that's content for you, but you're just, yeah. it's, it's the, and I'll say this, you know, sincerely, you have too much good, good knowledge uh, and, and information not to share. So I'm going to keep right. trying to get you on until, you do your own thing and do don't it. have time for us little people. Shut up. Talk to you later. <laughs> have a such a good day. All right, brother. You too. See you, man. Bye. Bye.